Welcome to Indispensable, where we provide you with evidence-based medication advice so that you can feel empowered about your own health. I'm your host, Anna Barwick, and I'm an experienced clinical pharmacist, academic and PhD candidate. Join me as we hear from the medication experts, pharmacists. Kayla Lee is a practicing community pharmacist and pharmacy owner at Capital Chemist Braidwood. After completing a Master of Pharmacy at the University of Canberra, Kayla went on to complete a graduate certificate in mental health practice, which fueled her passion for mental health service delivery within a community pharmacy, where she spreads awareness about the role a pharmacist can have in someone's mental health journey. Kayla won the University of Technology Sydney's Innovative Pharmacist of the Year Award in 2017 for a pharmacist-delivered mental health program she designed and implemented at Capital Chemist Waniassa. Currently, Kayla is a pharmacist mentor on the Bridge Randomised Controlled Trial, which aims to bridge the gap between mental and physical health. Hi Kayla, welcome to the Indispensable Podcast. How are you today? I'm well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. And I, I'm kind of using that term, you know, how are you today? Because I think a lot of us use that a lot of the time, don't we? But we maybe don't, you know, really listen for the answer or even ask ourselves that, you know, how are we going today? And that can be a lot to do with our mental health. So tell us a little bit about, you know, what what is mental health? What is it really? <laughs> Yeah, so I think um, what you've just raised is really important. I think how are you or how are you going is such a common question. We ask it every day whenever we see in every interaction that we have. But are we really asking the question to get the answer or are we just initiating a conversation? And I think it is really important that we listen out for that and we look for cues um, into people's responses and if you know someone quite well, you can pick up cues in changes in their behavior and changes in their response. And you might know other stuff that's going on in their life. So following through with that conversation and finding out how they really are and if they need to have a conversation or want to have a conversation is really important. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. And and I think, you know, there's lots of campaigns around mental health that are out there. You know, we see that October is, you know, Mental Health Awareness Month, but it's really important to know that we can't just restrict it to a day or a month, can we? This is something that's ongoing and will change over time as well. Exactly right. And, you know, Are You OK Day in September is such an important day, but we don't just want to ask, are you OK on that one day? We need to be asking every single day and such a great awareness campaign to bring it to the front of people's minds, but it needs to stay there for the entire year. Um, and I think it's really important to highlight how common mental health struggles are in Australia. So I think um, it often gets missed that actually one in five Australians will experience a mental health struggle in Australia every single year. And one in two Australians will experience a mental health struggle in their lifetime. So the chance of you coming into contact with someone who is having a mental health struggle is extremely high. They could be in your household, in your family, in your workplace, very close to you. Um, and so it is really important to know how to have those conversations and know how to follow through with providing that support for people. 
Absolutely. And, and I think it's also important to kind of let people recognize that they can have, you know, mental health days. I, even with you, you know, setting up this podcast, I had to say, Kayla, I really need a mental health day. I've had unwell <laughs> children and, and I just, I felt like I wasn't coping really well. So, and it's always lovely when you can say that to someone and, and know that they'll say, that's okay. That's good that you're doing that. It's good that you're recognizing that. So that's, yeah. Yeah. And it's doing that for more, me. <laughs> a lot more common and a lot, a lot more workplaces are recognizing it because it is just like anything else you know if we get well at the moment if we get a runny nose we we don't go to work because that's too much of a risk for other people and we need to consider ourselves and the importance um, of our self-care as well in that a mental health day is just the same as taking a day off when you've got a runny nose you're putting yourself first and looking after yourself as the primary yeah absolutely and so tell us more about mental health what's what's good mental health and what's mental health that needs a little bit of work I think that's quite hard to define what is good mental health because I don't think anybody has good mental health all the time. I think when your mental health needs a little bit of work might be when you are feeling quite stressed. So you might have a lot going on. It could be something as simple as, you know, you've just had a really, really busy week. Like you said, you've got sick children, you've got work pressures, you've got family pressures and you're feeling a bit stressed and overwhelmed and that's completely fine. Or it might stretch to where every day is feeling like a struggle and you're finding it hard to get up in the morning. You're finding it hard to motivate yourself to do activities that you normally would complete with no other thoughts. And again, that's completely fine and completely normal to feel like that sometimes, but important to recognize so that we are seeking help and seeking support so that we can get back to feeling better about our mental health. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I, I know that, you know, anxiety is, is a really common, you know, mental health condition. It's, it's one of the most common, um, from my understanding, even more so than depression. So what do you see in your practice as a pharmacist um, when it comes to mental health and the way people manage their, their mental health? Well, we see a lot of it. Um, I think I also wanted to highlight that we, in Australia, there were 39 million prescriptions for mental health medications last year. So as a pharmacist, we see, we dispense all of those medications. So we're seeing all of these people multiple times a year. And you also get in the pharmacy, you get the acute presentations as well. So you get that customer that you've seen for the last six months and all of a sudden they're in the pharmacy, they're not coping with what they're doing so they're not coping with coming in and collecting their medication and that's an opportunity for pharmacists to start that conversation and provide that support and really important for the customer to know that we're here for that support as well um, and so if you need to reach out and you're you're not coping we're there for you and we're there for you extended hours in a lot of cases and we're ready to have that conversation if you need we can go into a private area so i think it's really important that um, that message is sent out to the public Essential, knowledgeable, indispensable, your pharmacist. I think a lot of people don't realise that, that a lot of pharmacies do actually have like a private counselling room or Mm. multiple rooms where you can go in and you can have a chat and you can talk about, you know, strategies and, and, you know, about medication and any adjustments that may need to be made as well. That's right. And a lot of pharmacists these days are mentally health first aid trained as well. So they have um, those extra skills, just like they have their regular first aid skills. Um, So, you know, we're there, we're ready, and we're able to provide that support. 
Absolutely. And it's such a good message. So Kayla, what are some of the common concerns or myths that you hear about mental health uh, medications in your practice? I think one of the most common myths I hear about mental health medications is that someone has to be on it for the rest of their life. They don't want to start a medication that is going to be with them for the rest of their life. That could be for a whole range of reasons. It might be because they think that um, their low mood is going to go away by itself and they don't need the medication. Or it might be that they, they don't want to feel tied to that medication. And there's a whole other range of um, misconceptions, I think, that sort of fall into that. But I think it is really important for people to know that starting on a mental health medication doesn't mean that it's, you're going to be on it for the rest of your life. It's there as a tool. And I like to explain to people that when you're feeling very low and you're in that position where you've gone to the doctor to seek help and they've prescribed a medication for you, that help you get onto a level playing field where you can then use your other tools. So, um, you know, psychological therapies, um, mindfulness, any of the self-care range of things that you like to include, but you're in a better place to be able to access those therapies and really add them into your belt. So, you know, I think I don't really want to throw any timeframes out there because it is individual for everybody, but the numbers you sort of see are that being on it for a six month period is a really great start to help you to be able to engage with other therapies to then get your mental health um, back into a good place over the long term so that we can prevent relapse as well. So it's not a lifetime medication and I think that's really important to get out there. Absolutely. I think it is. And I think that seems to be a lot of the reason why people are really unwilling to, you know, go to that point. So they'll, which is, I mean, it's good. They're looking at other things before, you know, they're, they're looking at medication and, and I mean, we know that they work really well with medication as well, but it, I think kind of dispelling that idea that, you know, this is the kind of the last resort or, you know, this is a failure to have got to this place. It's actually, this is another tool in, in our arsenal to get people well um, and coping and, and then implementing some strategies when they're actually able to kind of, you know, include them in their daily lives. Yeah, that's right. And I think another big one um, is side effects of mm -hmm. mental health medications. I hear that a lot. And I think, you know, yes, there are side effects. There's side effects with every medication. and But everybody reacts to medicines individually. So it's really important to have that conversation with your doctor and your pharmacist about the side effect profiles of the, of the medication that you've been prescribed to see how that might affect you, but also to keep in mind that what's listed by the doctor, by the pharmacist in the consumer medicines information won't necessarily happen to you. I like to say to people that they're things to be aware of, but not to be alerted by, because it may not necessarily happen, but if you do notice a change, it might be because of the medication. And the solution to that is usually relatively easy. We can try a different medication because there's so many that are available and because it happened with one doesn't mean it's going to happen with all the others. So there's plenty of options. I try to always make sure that people aren't disheartened by the list of side effects that are in the consumer medicines information. Um, and yeah, highlighting that it can happen with any medication, but it's something that we can manage. Yeah. And one important one that, well, there's a few important ones that I was going to highlight, but um, I think weight gain is one that mm -hmm. comes up a lot, not being able to sleep um, and also low sex drive, which is one that I think isn't mentioned overly commonly, but it is something that does affect people. And we need to sort of make that known to people because 
we can see how that could affect their mental health mm-hmm. if suddenly they can't engage in the relationships that they have it's not necessarily going to be a positive response for their mental health. So making them aware of um, that as well, that it's not them, it's possibly the medication and we can manage that for them. Yeah. And, and something that maybe people aren't so willing to raise, um, you know, it it can be quite private, but like you're saying, you know, just saying, look, I've noticed this change and can we, can we make some adjustments? I think is, is a good thing. Yeah. Really important. So many options available that we can find the right one for you. Yeah, which is great. And we are fortunate in that that sense, I think, with having, yeah, so many. And, and like you say, it's going to be very individual for each person, also depending on what medication they're on. So we're not going to go through all of the medicines because there are so many. And I think the best option for, you know, knowing what's out there and what might suit best is, is having conversation with your trusted pharmacist, your local pharmacist, or to your GP or, or other health professional that's assisting you with that. Yeah, that's right. And I think as well... Um, you know, people talk to each other and they talk to the supports in their support circle and seeing what worked for somebody else is always great and, you know, can give you confidence that there is something out there for you, but it's not to dishearten you if what you've tried so far hasn't worked. Um, It just me, or if that meta, you know, if your friend said, oh, I was on this medication, it worked really well for me. And then you try it and it doesn't work. That's okay because you're two different people. And so we just need to find the right one for you. Yeah, absolutely. We all respond differently. And that's why we're individual. (laughs) (laughs) That's really great. Awesome. And so then, um, Kayla, what are some of the the resources and supports that are available when people do need help, when they they feel like they're not coping um, as they have in the past? Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of supports that are available and it's about being aware of them and knowing how to access them when you need them. Um, if, you know, there's the common ones that we know about. So if someone is feeling suicidal, there is Lifeline, there's the Beyond Blue um, hotline and there is the suicide callback service. If, um, and they're really good resources to have on hand. So I um, often recommend if someone's caring for someone or, you know, if you've got family members, just to have them in your phone. Hopefully you're never going to need them, but if you do need them, they're there when you need them. So I think that's quite important as well. And we have them readily accessible in the pharmacy as well for if we ever have somebody who comes in in crisis. So, you know, if there's there's certainly nothing wrong with having the Lifeline number added into your phone at all, I think that's a great resource to have in case you ever need it. Then there's also a lot of other um, resources on Beyond Blue. They have a lot of information about Um, the different services, the different treatment options that are available. I really like their um, pamphlet that they put out that lists all the different um, therapies that can be used to assist with mental health. And it has a little smiley face scale that um, with the evidence base behind it. So I think that's really easy to read and easy to get the information um, that you need out of it. The Black Dog Institute is a really good resource as well. They've got an app that people can download onto their phone. And they've also um, got a podcast too that um, can be quite helpful for consumers, but also for health professionals as well. So there's plenty of resources out there. I could keep going, but. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. We might get overwhelmed. Um, That's right. I I like the sound of that pamphlet too, because that'll be a really good, you know, if somebody wants to look at some medication specifically, they can look at it. Mm. So we'll put some links to that uh, in the show notes so that people can go and find those if they're particularly interested as well indispensable advice for you 
what's actually involved in mental health first aid? And, and would you actually recommend that, you know, people in the community actually go and get that training? It's a bit like, you know, first aid training for doing CPR. You know, tell us a little bit, a bit about what's involved in that and whether, you know, how you see that actually being utilised. Yeah, I definitely think it should be incorporated just like we incorporate first aid into our everyday lives. It's no, someone who is in mental health crisis is no different to somebody who has had a heart attack. It's exactly the same. It's an acute situation where we can provide some support while the first responders come. And that's all it is about. It's just about keeping them safe um, until other help can come, whether that is, you know, the mental health crisis team or the police or the paramedics, um, whoever can come. It's about keeping them safe until that time. It's a really easy course, so anybody can do it. And I would de definitely recommend, um, particularly in workplaces, that at least one person has done their mental health first aid training, but ideally a lot more would do it. Um, it gives you a really good insight, I think, um, into the different... Um, mental health challenges that can occur in an acute setting and what they may be like to experience, but also how to have that conversation with the person when they're experiencing that. So even, you know, I've done further study in mental health, but even I still find the mental health first aid course really valuable and I have to renew my training quite soon. And I know that I will go to that training and there will be lots that I'll take away from it, even though I've done it before, even though I've done the additional mental health training, because it's just such real life practical advice and information that you can use in a day-to-day -day setting that I think it's valuable for everybody. And it's only, I think it's only one day now because you do some of it online. So it's very quick and easy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and I, I mean, you, I, I have no doubt that you've used this quite a lot. I mean, I've, I've utilised it as well, you know, just with family even, not even necessarily in, in practice as a health professional, but just with family that have, you know, reached out and said, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing really well and I'm actually you know considering suicide and and that's really really shocking particularly when it is you know family and extended family you think why and how you know it's it's oh. just um it is really tough but I think I think you're right that first aid training gives you some skills on you know knowing where to go and knowing that you can't necessarily you know solve the issue um you know straight away it is going to take some time but it's it, it really does kind of equip you with some skills to cope in that situation and also knowing how to deal with that and debriefing yourself because i think it, it's quite impactful isn't it you know if somebody yeah. is, is you know kind of discussing that with you it's great that they trust you but it's still quite shocking and quite difficult to kind of process yourself isn't it yeah, that's right. And I think it does give you those skills. And I think that's something that's really, really important um, for any um, conversation that you're having about mental health changes is to think about how it's impacting you and make sure that you've got your supports around you as well to be able to debrief and, um, you know, decompress essentially um, what you've just heard. And I think uh, mentioning it, mentioning family, like you said, it can be very shocking when you have a family member um, raise or a friend raise this with you and doing your mental health first aid is sort of a fallback because you have when that happens it's very normal to have quite a strong emotional response to that because it's someone that you care about it's shocking and like you said you you, you know you don't you may not have that understanding of what's going on for them so you, to fall back onto the skills that you've learned from the mental health first aid helps you to have those productive conversations until you can get help 
for that person to begin their journey to recovery. Essential, knowledgeable, indispensable, your pharmacist. So Kayla, then what are your five indispensable tips for mental health? Um, Well, my first one was be willing to give different things a go. So I think that relates back to what we were talking about, trying the medications and it relates to the whole range of therapies and treatment options that are available to help with mental health challenges and just being open to that. So being open to trying a medication for a period of time, being open to talking to someone, being open to trying an online self-help guide that someone's recommended. You know, you never know what support and what help you're going to get out. And unless you try, you don't know what's going to work for you. So being open to that, trying new things, taking on board suggestions and finding what works for you because it will be different for everybody. Number two was to talk about it. Talk about your mental health. Talk about your mental health struggles. Talk about when it's good. Talk about when it's bad. Unfortunately, there is still stigma around mental health challenges. And, you know, I think it comes back again to how we started. It's it's almost like an expectation that we say, oh, yeah, we're good. How are you going? I'm good. You know, but it doesn't have to be. Talk about it. Smash that stigma. And if you find a treatment or therapy that works for you, tell people. I had someone in the pharmacy the other day who had been to the doctor for a different reason, not a mental health reason. And they were talking about how they were really busy at work and all those stresses. And the doctor said, and they said that they'd been um, attending this like webinar type session thing with um, a psychologist. And the doctor said, oh, I see that psychologist. Isn't he great? There's no way that I would be able to do what I do if I didn't have regular sessions with him. And I think that just immediately normalizes it. Yes. You know, the, for the, the, um, the person wasn't there for mental health reasons, but all of a sudden the doctor's saying, hey, I see a psychologist too. And I, you know, I don't know how, if I'd be able to cope with all my stress of being a doctor if I didn't see this person. Yeah. So now this person that went to the doctor is like, huh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, maybe I should talk about how I see a psychologist. And yeah. it just breaks that down so so quickly and so easily just by talking about it. Yeah. Um, number three was to find your support circle. So I think that's really important to have the people that you know you can go to if you need to. And they could be a whole range of people, friends, family, work colleagues, mentors um you know it can a pt it can be anyone really um but finding those people building that trust and knowing who you can go to when you need and i think really important to be um you know putting that back out there as well in being a support person to other people in your circle if they need it number four was the sometimes quite common reminder that it's okay to not be okay and it is quite normal, especially with the year that we've had and all the challenges that everybody's been through to not be feeling okay, but we need to be talking about it and you need to be seeking help if you're not feeling okay um, so that we can help you to be feeling okay. And number five was to always factor in self-care time because you can't help other people if your glass is empty. So finding what works for you for self-care. Personally, I do craft. I crochet and I cross stitch and I find that that works really well when I come home from work and I've had a stressful day. If I have half an hour 
doing my craft, I feel immensely better. So finding your self-care that works for you. And again, can be anything, exercise, craft, going for a walk with the dog, you know, whatever you find, taking time to do that regularly. Yeah, I love it. And and that's right. It, it's finding what suits you, not what everyone else says to do, you know, because we can say go and do this or do that, but it's it's what brings you enjoyment and, and lets you, you know, um, yeah, not focus on, on, you know, the stress of daily life, which it is. It, it can be really stressful kind really of juggling stressful. things, whether, you know, if you've got a job, the job can be stressful. And if you've lost a job that, you know, it's, it's this whole range of things and there might be family things going on and, you know, changes at home, you might be moving, like all these other things that, yeah, really do impact, don't they? And I think it's, yeah, it's, it's trying to identify what you enjoy and going and doing that regularly. And mm-hmm. I think that's probably another opportunity for recognising when your mental health is not great either because if you're losing enjoyment in things that you used to love that can be another indicator that that things aren't really good and that that you do need some help definitely yeah so I think you know we see a lot about go go for a walk go for a run go color in go you know and they're just suggestions it's not what you have to do it's just ideas and you just need to find what works for you Absolutely. Absolutely. That's perfect thing to to end on. So thank you so much for your time, Kayla. I really appreciate it. That's all right. Thanks for doing a podcast on such an important topic. Indispensable contains general medicine and health advice and is not intended to be a substitute for professional individual medical advice. We endeavour to ensure it is accurate and up to date. However, we can't guarantee that it will always apply to you. Always seek the guidance of your pharmacist or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding your health or a medical condition. This episode is brought to you by me, the Indispensable Pharmacist. Don't forget to subscribe to Indispensable and leave a review so we can help more people. Look us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn by searching for Farm Online. That's P-H-A-R-M online. I'd love to hear your suggestions for the next topic to be covered on Indispensable.